Give his life as a ransom for the many. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Once, when Jesus was praying in solitude and the disciples were with him, he asked him, Who do the crowds say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, still others Elijah, still others one of the ancient prophets that has arisen. And he said to them, But you, who do you say that I am? And Peter said in reply, The Christ of God. He rebuked them and directed them not to tell anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer greatly, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, be killed, and be raised on the third day. In aquel tiempo, dijo Jesús a sus discípulos, Si alguno quiere venir en pos de mí, que se niegue a sí mismo, tome su cruz y me siga. Porque bien quiera salvar su vida y la perderá, pero el que la pierda por mí la encontrará. Pues de que le servirá a un hombre ganar al mundo entero si pierde su alma, o que podrá dar para recobrarla, porque el Hijo del Hombre vendrá con la gloria de su Padre entre sus ángeles, y entonces pagará a cada uno según su conducta. En verdad, os digo que algunos de los aquí presentes no gustarán la muerte hasta que vean al Hijo del Hombre en su reino. Palabra del Señor. Have a seat. Yo sé, esta lectura es no, no, como mismo. Esta razón es porque um, en uh, México y España tenemos un, otros lecturas por uh, las días de los santos. En um, like diferentes culturas uh, tenemos diferentes experiencias de uh, estos santos, right? And so, um, so the readings for Padre Pio are different in English than in Spanish, and that's not an accident. In fact, there's something really beautiful about this, because it means that in different places, um, the, the, the meaning of the saint's life has come to mean different things to different people. That's a good thing, because it means that the saint's life is bigger and richer than it would be all on its own. This has been my own experience of Padre Pio. When I was... Uh, 13, I suppose, the summer between uh, eighth grade and freshman year of high school, I got drugged down to Melrose, which is the town that my mom is from in southern Iowa, uh, for a family reunion. And so we went to the parish church in this little town that Sunday, and it just happened to be the day that the relics of Padre Pio were passing through the town. The sister, the nun, that had been um, the miracle that was used for his beatification was the one who had the relics. And the relic that they had 
was the glove that was used to, to cover his hand. And something happened to this smart-alecky teenager in this little country church in Melrose, Iowa. I didn't stop being a smart-aleck, but I never doubted Pajay Pio after that. I saw too many things that day. I smelled too many things that day. And in a certain way, he stayed with me the whole time. As I get older, though, so when I was a kid, Pajay Pio was exciting because he felt almost like a character from the early church that had just burst onto the scene in the 20th century. He was, uh, he bore the stigmata, of course, that's what he's most famous for, the only priest who, like, we're, we're sure wasn't faking about that. But, um, but more than that, his hours and hours and hours in the confessional and, um, and his ability to, we say, read souls, I think, like, the more natural way to talk about this is just connect with people. Like, he understood people and where they were. And there were certainly supernatural gifts that, that, that reached in and allowed him to take a sinner and, and help them be saved. As a kid, what was exciting was the stigmata and were the miracles and the fact that he seemed to, like, get in fistfights with demons every night. That sounded cool when you're a kid. Don't get any ideas, boys. Um, but, but as I get older... I mean, I've never spent 18 hours in a confessional, but I spent eight. Your butt hurts, you're tired. People say the same thing over and over and over again. And you start making bad prayers, like, please, Lord, send me something interesting. And then you realize that's a terrible idea. <laughs> but you have moments, I think every priest has these, if they're honest. I know I have. You have moments we might not be able to read souls like Padre Pio, but we are able to look inside a person in a way that otherwise we shouldn't, we wouldn't be able to. Tenemos momentos en el confesionario cuando no tienes las palabras suficiente por esta confesión y Y, y, y el Señor Jesús dice palabras you know, through me, in me, that I didn't know I had. Like, people will say things, and if you ask me to diagram it, no. <laughs> but it works, and I, I don't understand it, because it doesn't happen outside there. Maybe sometimes here, but otherwise, no. See, this is the real genius of Padre Pio. I'm not actually convinced, this is going to sound blasphemous, and I don't mean it in that way, but like, I don't actually think he was holy in the way that we tend to imagine him as holy. Like, it this wasn't like a holy card, plaster of Paris, stained glass window kind of holiness. He was grouchy pretty much of the time. I, I, I visited Pietrelcina, the place where he lived as a young man, and there were still some of the old fathers who had lived with him when they were young. And they had um, an impolite name in Italian and Spanish that they would use for him. And I was shocked to hear them call the, the saint from their house this name. And they said, well, he was just, he was grumpy all the time. He was always grumpy. And I said, yeah, but he was a saint. And they said, well, you'd be grumpy too if you had to walk around with holes in your feet for 50 years. 
That's the kind of holiness that he represents. It is actually attainable. It is actually possible for people sitting in these pews today and, and the poor, lackluster, lazy priest sitting and standing in front of you to genuinely grow in holiness. Maybe never to attain the kind of perfection that we want. I think, I think if Pio had a holiness, if there was a, a key to his spirituality here, it was in this. Somewhere along the line, he stopped even striving after what he thought was best for himself. Like, he just let go of his own expectations of what his own life were supposed to be. On one level, I mean, I think this is worth saying, on one level, he was a total disaster, both as a priest and as a religious. The, the house that he entered was disrupted from the moment that he entered, and, like, it could almost never function properly as a religious house. It was very difficult for them to say office. There's all kinds of security and crazy stuff when he'd say mass. That, um, you know, for years, he was forbidden to say mass publicly, so, like, what use is a priest if you can't even get a mass out of them, right? Uh, like, the, so on, on, like, paper, this guy's a disaster. And yet he's a saint. I got news for you. Some of you are kind of disastrous. But it doesn't mean you can't be saints. In fact, it might be the surest sign that you can. <laughs>